What's up, y'all? The little fate, and welcome to episode number eight of the 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 Fagnostic Podcast. Yeah, y'all. If I'm still giving you episodes, it means that I'm still looking for answers. And y'all, today I have Curtis Galloway with us. Love me. Curtis is the Curtis was supposed to love me. Curtis is the founder of the Conversion Therapy Dropout Network. He grew up in a small town in Southern Illinois. When he was 16 years old, he was subjected to conversion therapy, an experience he was later able to use to ban conversion therapy in his home state of Illinois. We did it, Joe. Curtis went on to be a leading figure in many LGBTQ organizations in the Midwest. Now living in LA, Curtis has taken his activism to the next level and founded the Conversion Therapy Dropout Network to bring survivors of conversion therapy together in community and solidarity. Here is Curtis. Curtis was supposed to love me. Curtis, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to talk to you and about the conversion therapy dropout uh, and just hear your story from how that developed, uh, where you have come from by going through that experience, because uh, I'm sure a lot of my listeners have also been there as well, um, which is heartbreaking. But hopefully, thanks to your efforts and, and conversations like this, there will be less and less need for conversion therapy dropouts uh, going forward. Um, So I start every episode off um, first with gratitude for you being here and and giving me your time today, Uh, but also with the question, are you a believer? Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me. I'm always very happy to uh, to share my experiences. And I I always see you posting about your podcast. So so it's very exciting that I'm going to be on it. Um, am I a believer? Uh, well, I, I believe in some things. As far as Christianity, no, I don't consider myself a, a Christian. Um, but I do believe in, um, you know, other energies and spiritual entities and, 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 and higher powers, as it were, um, but not specifically in the Christian sect. So, um, so yes, yes, I am a believer in something. And something, right. Yeah. Awesome. And just so we don't assume anything, can you identify your pronouns for us? Uh, yes, it's a he, him, or they, them. Either one works. Awesome. Usually thank he, him. Sure. So. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Um, so give us the rundown. Who are you? Where'd you come from? And what are you doing now? And we're going to really dive into those three areas over the next hour. But uh, give yeah. us a, bit, a quick synopsis about who is Curtis Galloway? <laughs> Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Southern Illinois. I grew up in a small town called Benton, Illinois. Um, And I lived there until I moved away to college um, back in, when did I move? 2014, moved to college. And then after college, I went and lived in St. Louis for a bit. And St. Louis, Missouri. um, And I was doing wedding industry work out there, um, all while doing my activism, of course. And and there's a lot in that. I did do work um, while in college to ban conversion therapy in Illinois. Um, And so I testified in front of Congress and um, the governor of Illinois at the time. It was uh, Rauner, Governor Rauner. Um, and then I went on to be involved in some organizations for um, LGBTQ youth. And um, then after I decided that I was completely done with the Midwest, um, through my connections with the organization, um, I moved to the LA area. I uh, first landed in Azusa, which is pretty far out there. <laughs> um, but within a few months, I was, I was moving into LA and um, moved around since then and um, landed here in Century City now. 
and um, have founded my organization, the Conversion Therapy Dropout Network. Um, I am a conversion therapy survivor. I was taking conversion therapy when I was 16, um, still living with my family, of course, and that was back in 2010. So it was before there was a ban in place, of course. So Well, and the ban being a result of <clears throat> partly your efforts as well. Yes. Um, and then but going back to Azusa, that's actually how you and I met. Um, yeah. Back in the day, uh, and I have no shame about this whatsoever, but I, I was really struggling um, just doing the gig economy here in LA and doing a million jobs. And I was I was very thankful at the time to have Lyft as one of those gigs uh, or Uber. I, I don't think, well, I don't think I did Uber. I think I just did Lyft, um, but allowed me to like really keep myself above water and also allowed me to meet some of the most incredible people um, in any line of work that I've done just because of the happen chance surrounding it. Um, mm -hmm. But I also, I mean, I, I tell people that, that do these kind of gigs, like the job is what you make it. I, the energy you get from your passengers is the energy you give out to your passengers. Um, and I was driving you with David and Nikki Duncan mm -hmm. somewhere in Beverly Hills, I think, um, yes. like some event that you guys were at. Um, and then, schlepped it out to Azusa. Um, but in that car ride, got to know the whole story. And it, to this day, is one of my favorite, quote unquote, chance encounters that I've ever had with uh, random strangers. Um, and full circle, like here you are today, talking about your yeah. efforts <laughs> in banning conversion therapy um, and creating that community for the survivors. So um, how did you come to, 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 who are they to you? Because I also want to, this show is about stressing the importance of allyship, um, especially in religious circles, which is where they came from. So how did you connect with them? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't remember what we were doing that. I think there was like a drag show or something. I, it was, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had had a few drinks at that point. So, you know, conversation. <laughs> hence hence the lift ride. <laughs> hence the lift ride back to Azusa, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I... You know, I was living in St. Louis. I was also driving for Uber and Lyft out in St. Louis. Um, and um, I had come to, um, there, we had like a garden party with some of our board members. So I, I served on a board um, for another organization um, at the time. And we had had a garden party in, um, in the spring of 2018, I believe. Yeah, the spring of 2018. And I met. David and Nikki um, through that, and you know they uh, they took me out to WeHo and um, you know bought bought margaritas at uh, uh, the cantina. Oh Lord! <laughs> yeah, uh, just kind of away from there. It was it was a good night, but I, I really got to know them there, and they were actually from St. Louis as well um, before they moved out here. Um, so I expressed to them that I you know really wanted to move out here. You know, I'd always wanted to move to LA. It's because I think it's so beautiful out here, and of course it is. And um, you know, they're like, "Well, you know, we have we have a house with two extra bedrooms. You're welcome to move into one if you want." I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, so I thought about it, and I reached back out to them once I got back, and I was like, "Hey, you know, if if you're really, um, you know, if you're really serious about letting me come stay with you, like I would love to." Um, and they did, and they they let me stay there rent free uh, for as long as I needed to get on my feet, which was just amazing. And um, so I lived with them for a bit. I, I packed up my bags. Um, actually, three years ago on Friday is when I arrived in LA for the first time. So three wow. years ago today, I was leaving yeah. to go 
to LA and drive all the way from St. Louis here. And it took me three days to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, so that's how I met them. But, you know, they were very important to kind of like my adoptive family. Once I got out here, you know, um, they were letting me live with them and, and, and use whatever things I needed around the house. Obviously I, you know, was paying for groceries and stuff like that, but, you know, just letting me stay in their home rent free, you know? Um, so, so it was really amazing. important. Yeah. That's, I wouldn't I have been a, able to move out here without it. I, I yeah. totally get it. I think a lot of us here who, who move here, whether it's for creative pursuits or just to escape, you know, the, the, um, lack of open-mindedness and grace that is notorious in the Midwest and the South um, yeah. have found those people that have been like, look, let me gift you this experience so that you can then, you know, do what you want to do. Um, but you know, that that's also is a testament to you in attracting those kinds of people. Um, yeah. And I, and in that, I also know that they're, their efforts were not in vain. Like you now are doing stuff for others um, who are, you know, you, you have advanced right. in life to a place of being able to take care of others and you'll continue to do so, um, especially yeah. with this conversion uh, therapy dropout. Yeah. But, you know, it's, you keep talking about these boards you were serving on a few years ago and, and you guys can't see him, but Curtis, you're young, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> youth flows from you. How old were you when you were serving on these boards? Uh, well, I joined one of the boards when I was 21. God. I think. Yeah. Um, so it was only one of the boards, you know, it was a small startup organization. Um, but I mean, obviously very well connected um, and connected to the personal stories project. Um, um, and so that's kind of how I met David and Nikki that way. Um, but yeah, so I was 21 at the time. Um, I'm 27 now. So I, I'm young, but I'm quickly, I'm cr quickly reaching gay death. As, as, as a lot of people have told me when I, I say let's let's not perpetuate that because <laughs> I, I know if it, you're it, if you're approaching gay death I am I'm well <laughs> beyond the afterlife <laughs> um, well I you know I hear that the afterlife's pretty fun then I don't know but I mean uh, I will say that there I mean people always talk about you know in your mid-30s is where things start you just start stop giving a shit um and whether uh, it was COVID or whatever I I am certainly there um in the uh there's an old country song maybe like 20 years ago called my give a dams busted do you, do you ever remember that song it's no it's, yeah so my my give a dam is is busted that's for sure and it's not going to get fixed um what was the personal stories project what what's that organization about so i didn't serve on that board um but that's run by charles and joseph chan massey um and oh yeah, very, yeah 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 you know them i think yes yeah yes yeah, I love them to death. Um, and so they, they teamed up with the organization that I was part of previously. Um, and, and Charles was serving on the board of that. Uh, that I mean, that organization has since shut down, but Personal Stories Project still continues. And I still partner with them frequently. Wow. Um, and so it was kind of a, 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 a um, an organization that worked with the other one. And then they had the, the garden party where I met David and Nikki. Did that organization kind of give birth to your own org? Uh, Personal Stories Project or? Yeah, they did, did that contribute yeah. to you deciding there's a need that I can help to fill with the conversion therapy dropout? Not really. I mean, obviously having that experience with the other organizations, yes. Um, and realizing, but really what did it was that I, I went to um, 
a um, conference called Creating Change. I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but it's a it's basically a nationwide, sometimes international. We have a lot of uh, Canadian organizations come down to the U.S. for it as well, and um, it's just this big conference of all of the major organizations and all of the startup organizations, and it's just like four to five days long. And there's just workshops all day long, networking events all day long. And um, I met, there was a conversion therapy survivor who lived in St. Louis. And I, of course, had already moved here at that time and I wasn't living there, but I still had connections and they wanted to connect me with this survivor. And, and I, I spoke with them and talked about their experience and whatnot. And, um, and one of the things they asked me was, is there an organization you know, for survivors? And I, you know, there, there wasn't at that time, you know, I mean, obviously there's like Born Perfect and, and Trevor Project and they're great, you know, but their primary focus is the legislation and the activism. Um, and they were specifically looking for an organization for a community and just where we can, you know, have, you know, events for conversion therapy survivors. And it's not intensive because I mean, getting up and testifying and taking action with your story is very um, intimidating when you're first coming into, you know, really looking at what happened to you and the trauma that you feel. And you, you um, know, so that's that, really where you know that firsthand. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of did it. Let's, let's um, go back to that. Cause I want to yeah, start yeah, yeah. before we get into what, what the, uh, the conversion therapy dropout organization does uh, to serve other mm -hmm. survivors. I want to get to like, I mean, when you were 16 and submitted to conversion therapy, yeah. was that a thing that your family did or was they were convinced by a pastor? How did that come about? Or was it even yeah. you that, that did it? So they, so I came out to them and, you know, it didn't go over very well, of course. Um, were you raised religious? Up, yeah. So my family was non-denominational disciples of Christ, which is a denomination, but whatever. And, um, so grew up relatively religious, you know, I didn't go to church every Sunday. Um, and, you know, still to this day, I've never read the Bible all the way through. Um, you're not, you're not missing much. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, I found, I found it boring personally, but that's just my personal opinion. But, um, so they, so when I came out, you know, they, they, they kind of freaked out. And in their mind, you know, the small town, 7,000 people, very conservative ideals, you know, mostly Republican, um, you know, it, you know, they had bad ideals about the LGBTQ community. And of course it wasn't the LGBTQ community. It was the gays, right? It was the homosexuals. And in their mind, you know, it was, you know, gay men get AIDS and they die. And they live promiscuous lives and they're unhappy and they're abused and, you know, they're just dirty. And that's, you know, that, that that's the same thing that was instilled in me before I even realized that I was gay. I remember growing up that, you know, my other peers were like, oh, so-and-so's gay. He's gross. He's going to die of AIDS. You know, that was the thinking. Of course, that's horribly wrong. Yeah. But at the time, that's what people thought. Um, and I don't, you know, I would assume it's shifted since then, hopefully. But, you know, that's, that's what, what was there. So my parents were very scared for me um, and weren't very, you know, weren't accepting. And um, they went through my search history on my, my laptop or not my laptop. <laughs> we didn't have those then. Uh, went through my desktop computer history and, um, you know, found where I'd been part of some chat rooms and chatting with other gay men. 
Um, and that kind of really freaked them out because that was at the point, you know, I was a minor and that was when, you know, the internet was starting to become really big and MySpace was a thing and people were scared that, you know, if you reveal who you are, someone's going to show up and steal you immediately, you know. Um, so they freaked out and they found a counselor um, down in Kentucky um, named Joseph Williams. And um, he uh, was a conversion therapist and they found him. I'm not sure how they found him. I think they called around to try and find a Christian counselor because they wanted someone in the faith. They were afraid that if they got someone that wasn't Christian, um, that they would try to convince me not to be Christian, I guess. Um, or worse, try to convince your parents to think that being gay is okay. Right. Or that too. Yeah, probably both. How, how far of a yeah. drive was that from Southern Illinois? Um, so he was in, he's, well, he was, he is in Mayfield and, um, that was about an hour and a half drive. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, that's an hour and a half Midwest driving. So that's just straight right. 65 miles an hour <laughs> down the, down the road the whole time. Right. So. so they found this, this counselor who was, was in, mm-hmm. who was a Christian faith counselor, which I, I mm-hmm. feel like is actually an oxymoron because if, if your faith is determining your counseling efforts, it seems a little biased already, but continue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, 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 and that is a big thing is that, you know, you can be a Christian counselor, but it's not about you. You know, mm. if someone wants faith-based, faith-based counseling, that's all cool. But like, if they don't, it's not about you. It's not about your beliefs, you know? Right. But anyway, I could go into that all day. Um, so yeah, so they took me there. Um, and it was, it was a talk therapy session. You know, it wasn't one of those camps that you see where people are beating pillows and screaming at their mother and, you know, all that stuff. It was mostly talk therapy. Um, and my parents would go in for an hour and talk to him and I would go in for an hour and talk to him. Um, sometimes I would switch, but he would give me, you know, a a list of, of treatment plans essentially of how he was going to treat my, my sexuality. Um, I was uh, diagnosed with the possibility of having a, um, an introverted personality. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I mean, there, there's just a lot <laughs> to go into a lot of gaslighting, um, a lot of really breaking down my self-worth and attempting to rebuild my self-image in, um, his image or what he would say would be God's image to make right. me the, the man God wanted me to be. Um, word for word is one is some things that he said, um, but he convinced your parents that, that he could in essence, cure you of this affliction, this sinful affliction. Yes. Well, and here's the really heinous thing is that of course we know that that doesn't work. So yes, he can cure me, but only if I want to be cured. Right. So like, if I didn't put it, you know, if it wasn't working, then I wasn't trying hard. Right. It's not his fault. It's yours. It's not his fault. It's my fault. And I, you know, they need to push me a bit further so that, uh, so that I do that, you know, they threatened at some points to pull me out of school um, I was supposed to limit time with gay affirming friends, with air quotes, um, you know, just just really heinous stuff like that. A lot of isolation tactics and uh, self shame. I love that. I love that they yeah. created a term to make the word ally seem bad. Gay affirming yeah. friends gay has affirming. like a negative connotation to uh-huh. it. Yeah. Oh God. We'll get and we'll get yeah. into like where you are with your parents today because uh-huh. they they have since evolved a bit, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. 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 So, so how, at what point in this conversion therapy did you or your parents or someone else say, okay, 
it's not working. This is not right. Well, you know, at the time, I didn't know anything about my what my family. Since then, um, you know, just a few months ago, my parents did make a recording of their um, of their recollection of what happened, um, and so I kind of have more insight into their thinking. But you know, my point. There's a lot there. I mean, there was a lot because you almost get, you know, Stockholm syndrome almost, you know, where it's like you just start going along with it because you're dealing with all this emotional trauma and abuse and you just start going with it. Well, and part of the part of the gay trauma, especially at that age is, I mean, from childhood is not being validated, not feeling okay or safe. So when you're going through a process where they're saying you can feel valid and safe and worthy if you do these things that's where the Stockholm syndrome comes in. Like you're going to want to pursue these efforts to feel safe and validated. Right. No, absolutely. You know, and, and I think for me, you know, when he started getting into the really heinous stuff, you know, I remember um, one of the things that was on my, my treatment list is, uh, or no, not one of the things on the treatment list, but some of the things he said um, to try and like validate my experiences that I'm not, you know, I'm not destined to go to hell as long as I don't act on my, you know, sinful nature. You oh, know, thank God. As, yeah. As long as I don't engage in homosexual lifestyle, I'll be fine. And, and one of the things he said was just like rageaholics, rapists, murderers, and child molesters, homosexuals are predispositioned to sin. And it is up to me if I act on my sin or not, or choose to live, um, uh, or choose to not act on my predispos- my sinful predispositions. Don't you love uh, when they group us in with like all these chosen behavior lifestyles? It's I, yeah. I, I still have a cousin and, and I love them dearly, but they are still a, and, and maybe there's probably more of my family that, that I know of than is like this as well, but that idea of, of hate the sin, love the sinner, which is yeah. the most toxic thing that a Christian can tell a gay person. Or anybody, yeah. really. I mean, it, it's so the antithesis of what I think Christianity is. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, 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 but so, I mean, but when you were going through this, like you were trying to appease this therapist, appease your parents. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the, 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 the big one for me when I was done was when he... Um, you know, and, and I'm 16 and just coming into my sexuality. And of course, see, my sexuality is like being confused. At one point, I told him I was going to be asexual. And he told me that um, that's fine because eunuchs were praised in the Bible, um, word for word. And um, I, was I like, that's love me. when Christians bring in the eunuchs. I was like, that's not really the same thing. That's not at all what we're talking about. Um but anyway, and, and then he also talked about Pavlov's dogs and told me that I needed to masturbate to the image of women to reroute my neural pathways so that I find pleasure in the image of women rather than men. Um, and so that one, I was like, whoa, you know, like, we're not talking about that. Like, that's very personal. And like, I had never even talked to him about that before. So he just brought it up. I was like, okay. Um, and I think that, you know, along with, you know, me being becoming very depressed, obviously, and my parents just kept saying, you know, that I'm pulling away from them, that I don't want to engage with them, which, of course, you know, um, that really kind of set up flags for them. And, and I, I found out later that, you know, they were also feeling shitty, too. You know, he was making them feel like shit, too. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that they're failures. It's their fault. They didn't do enough. And now this guy's having to fix it, essentially, you know. Um, they let the homosexual agenda into their family and now they're having to deal with it, 
So it's a reflection on their parenting as to your yes. affliction. Yeah. 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 What, what this, this scapegoating, this gaslighting of this therapist. Um, I mean, uh -huh. I, I can't even call him a therapist because he's actually just an, an abuser. Um, yeah. it's, it also, I would love to know what he thinks about during sexual activities because I, I, yeah. for him to be so forcibly oppressing your own identity, it sounds like he's trying to achieve the the same within himself. And if he can convince you, then maybe it, it um, cements his own view of himself. Yeah. Well, interestingly, you know, he is a licensed counselor. He is licensed by the state of Kentucky to be a social worker. Yeah. But like, what are the standards but in Kentucky? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's not. Um, and, and I mean, I can talk to that point, but um yeah, so it's interesting because on his website, which is still up, you can still find it, um, he talks about his sexuality and his statement of sexuality. And it, it, I don't know why I want to know about his sexuality because it's not about him, like I said before, but um, it says that he, he lives a celibate lifestyle. And if, if he finds a partner to marry, it'll be a woman. And, it, and he, then he talks about how he's had same-sex attractions and dealt with those issues before so i'm like ah all right so you're 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 a queer too like yeah. you're right there with us you're just you just hate yourself so much that yeah. you're projecting onto other people and what's heartbreaking too is that i mean as much as you know my rage is lit in speaking about this man and his mm -hmm. quote-unquote therapeutic efforts it's actually heartbreaking to think about him living this you know, full life, I mean, aging into, I don't know how old he is, but mm -hmm. without love, without being able yeah. to connect with another human being on an intimate level. And that's, and I try to remember that. And that one of the things I love about your organization, which again, I keep putting off until we get through the, the backstory, um, uh -huh. is that you, you, the organization seems to have such a grace and a space for redemption. Mm -hmm. And not just, not redemption as it relates to people like you and I who have gone through conversion therapy, but to people who have been our our antagonists and people like this therapist. And if they can then have a, a, a more evolved sense of growth as it pertains to the LGBTQ community, you even have an article about McCray game. I think that, that is his name. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah. and saying like, he's gotten so much backlash about him finally coming to his, his true senses. And you're saying, look, like what he did was abhorrent, but he can then now go and save lives rather than destroy them. And we have to allow that space. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, with him, it's funny that you talk about how it's sad for, for my, my therapist. And normally like I would feel that way, but because he's mine, I'm just like, I don't care. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he can be unhappy for the rest of his life and he deserves it. Yep. And I'm, you know, and that's what, that, that's kind of how people feel about McRae game, you know, yeah. the people that he abused. And I, I don't, I don't vilify them for that. You know, they have every right to feel that way. And it's such a weird situation because we, up until now, you know, we haven't really seen anyone like him come forward before. Yeah. You know, we've seen people come forward be like, oh yeah, we're gay. I think it was, what was it, Exodus or Exodus one of them. International, yeah. Yeah, where they got married and everything, but that was it. You know, they didn't do anything. And one of the things that I really pointed out in, in the article that we that we released was that, you know, it's not just enough for him to come out against it. You know, he actively needs to get out there and try to make yep. the community a better place. You know, otherwise, yes, like, okay, you know. Mm -hmm. then is he, it, then is he doing that work? Yeah, he seems to be doing some good things, you know, speaking out, sharing his story, trying to make amends 
Um, yeah. He seems to be trying to do that. It's probably well. a process. I mean, I don't know how long ago he he has he came out again, yeah. but I imagine yeah. that it's 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 we kind of have to allow the space for him for his own comfort level with with his voice in the community now. But hopefully he'll get there. I mean, my gosh, there's a lot of stakes on his on on him on his shoulders. Um, oh, absolutely, and I'm I'm sure he deals with a, a great deal of remorse as well. You know, yeah. and it is really sad, you know, because he, you know, he was brainwashed just like my parents were, you yep. know. Um, and and we owe, we we at least need to give him space to explore his own feelings as well as attempt mm-hmm. to help the cause. Yep. You know, it, it's if he fails to do so, is when I feel we could then criticize him and be like, okay, well, you did all this, but then you've done nothing to atone for it. You know, what are you even doing here? You yeah. Know? Well, what did um, what got you to the point of of having the ability to speak before Congress about banning conversion therapy in Kentucky? I just kind of did it. Um, I, but how, but I how did you? How did you? I mean, did you like apply yeah. for a, a slot in their right. session or? Yeah, so I actually, I met one of my best friends. Her name is Tara Bell. Um, she she still lives in Southern Illinois, but she was an instructor at the, um, the community college that I went to. And um, we were, she was taking an acting class just to fill the time. And we were assigned a scene together and we started just talking about things. And I told her, you know, obviously I was out, but I told her my parents were accepting and we just kind of got into more detail about my story. And she was the one that actually told me what conversion therapy was. And, you know, told me that that's what I had been taken to. And so then she sent me a link to the Southern Poverty Law Center. So you you did not even know during your conversion therapy that you were being submitted to conversion therapy? No, I had no idea. I had no idea what it was. Wow. Yeah. I I mean, I didn't even know the pride parades were a thing until I went to college. You yeah. know, I had no idea what was happening. Um, you so know, obviously, saying- yeah. I mean, that's that's probably different today for most people. But sure. you know, back then there wasn't a lot. Right. You, even, you know where to go. Um, Facebook so she wasn't said- even really a thing. <laughs> So she said, honey, this is what you went through. Yeah. Here's a link to some resources at the SPLC. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I reported it and they reached out to me and actually Sam Wolf, um, who was one of the attorneys that worked on the Jonah case in New Jersey, um, was assigned to my case, essentially. And um, Southern Poverty Law Center um, paid for my way to go to Chicago to meet with Equality Illinois um, and, and Representative Kelly Cassidy, who was sponsoring the bill or was the author of the bill to ban conversion therapy in Illinois. Um, and that's kind of how it went. And uh, it just went from there, became the poster child for the movement. Um, and every time there's a hearing or press release or anything, um, they always stuck me up in front of it to uh, to get my story out there. Wow. So I kind of just jumped right in. <laughs> uh, yeah. And thank God you did. So w- when this was going on, mm-hmm. uh, your, where, where were your parents in all this? Were, were they like, oh, son, please don't cause any waves. Like we've, we've gotten to this point of accepting you, yes. but like, please don't. Ugh. Like, yeah. where were they with this? So during that time, it really turned into kind of a don't ask, don't tell, really, you know, um, once I was turned, once I turned 18 or approaching 18, rather, um, they, they knew that, you know, nothing they could say was going to change me when, you know, they just kind of became like, we don't, we just don't want to hear about it. We don't want to hear about you going and hanging out with your boyfriend, because I'd gotten a partner at that point, And, um, you know, they didn't want to hear about it. And you know, when this started happening, 
Um, they were starting to come around a little bit, um, but not too much. But when I reported it, it kind of took a little bit for them to do anything with it. And then I had gone away to finish my four-year degree elsewhere and I was moving away. Um, I was going to Northern Illinois to school and um, my, it's just kind of like a switch and my parents like switched, you know, uh, it just kind of clicked and they were like, oh my God, you know, here's our son, he's moving out of the house and, you know, we've done nothing to really connect with him for the past four years, you know, and they just kind of, my dad told me, he's like, you know, being gay is something that's going to get in between our relationship with you. Um, then it doesn't matter. And they just realized right then that, you know, it didn't matter. And they realized that what we'd gone to was bad and wrong. Um, and yeah, but they were still a little bit hesitant. You know, obviously, you know, they look in my story, they look very bad. You know, it, it does not shine good light on them. And, um, you know, they, they were very hesitant to bring any light to it. They were worried about, you know, any ramifications it could have for them. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as being, you know, broadcasted across the state, you know, it really freaked them out just because it didn't look good for them. Um, but I eventually, you know, I mean, I did it anyway <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it, it worked out, you know, but, and, and then in the end it, it turned around where they were, you know, very proud for what I was doing and helping people and trying to, oh. trying to make actual change. So. Right. So this was, I'm sorry, I think I said it wrong, but I, I thought the, the band was in Kentucky, but it was actually Illinois where the band took place. It was Illinois. Got right. It. Yeah. No, okay, Kentucky cool. still does not have a band on the books. Um, okay. I, I am helping with that one. Um, not, not in the same capacity since I'm sure. several states away, but uh, yeah. I am still assisting and lending my story and, and other things as well out there. And at the end of this, we're going to talk about what we can do as an audience also to help those efforts, whether it be financially or just signing petitions or calling senators. We'll get there. Um, so you spoke before Congress. I mean, that had to mm -hmm. be like a little unnerving to know like how pivotal oh, yeah. your story was in changing law. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they didn't put too much pressure on me just because they knew that I, you know, I, I was expressing my trauma to them. Um, they really put a lot more pressure on mental health professionals that were advocating against it. And really, you know, the, the opposition was really grilling them. They mostly left me alone. Um, I do know that there was some staunch uh, opposition and um, a, a specific representative who actually stormed out of the committee meeting because she realized she wasn't going to win and that they were going to pass it through. And so she left the meeting and abstained from the vote, which is really funny. What's her um, name? But, oh, God, I don't I actually don't remember her name. I don't remember. I don't think she got reelected that next time. Oh, so, yeah. Bless I don't, her. Was it, was it Jeannie Ives? Ah, Jeannie Ives was her name. Okay. Representative Jeannie Ives. I'll have to just give her a good look up. Yeah, she's <laughs> a piece of work. Oh my gosh, she got she got into a, a screaming fight with, with the representative um, that was sponsoring the bill over it because she was, um, uh, she was just essentially lying on what the bill contained and they were just like, they were just back and forth, back and forth. It was, it was entertaining. Wow. But then I'm like, this is why bills get stuck. <laughs> yeah, no, you're so right. I bet you learned a lot through that process. Yeah. Um, but obviously you guys won. Yes. 
We did. Uh, the governor of Illinois signed it into law. Um, he actually talked with the sponsor or the the, the author of the bill, um, Representative Cassidy, and told her that it that um, after hearing my story, he realized that it was something that he needed to take action on um, because it, it's actually affecting youth in his state. And he was a very Republican governor, but yeah. he, he listened to my story and, and actually um, saw the need for the law. So. God, I, I, I wonder if that could happen today, being where we are so polarized, um, if a Republican would be willing to swallow their ignorance and pride in order to think about other people. But I probably I know the answer. <laughs> I mean, I think so. I think so. We've got some of those that are still, I mean, they still consider themselves Republican, but they're pulling away, obviously, mm -hmm. after the past feels like 70 years, but yeah. over the past administration, um, there were actually Republicans that co-sponsored the bill um, really? and, and were on board with it. I mean, obviously, I didn't talk with them about anything else, but, right. um, you know, with this, they realized it was a problem. And Do you think that it's coming from them having gay neighbors, gay sons, gay siblings? I don't know. You know, I didn't really talk to them that much. Um, one specifically, and I, I, his name is also escaping me, and I don't think I'll remember that one, but... Um, I don't remember what his reasoning was. I just know that they were like, yeah, he's a Republican ally that's really pushing for this and helping. And he was always there and like, you know, telling me that I did a good job and that, you know, it was great that I was there. So it was, it was, Curtis, it was what an experience. Was nice. God. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you, so. even if you didn't at the time fully understand the gravity of it, I'm so thankful that you were able to go through with that and, and be that voice because that then led yeah. to you recognizing the need for, okay, we're making these changes, but what about those that didn't make the cut of the change? What about those right. that went through this process already? How can I provide healing to them? And one of the things that right. I, I'm recognizing in this podcast as well is that, you know, I, was, I started this podcast kind of because I, I want to squash religion. That has since changed into me having a desire to challenge religion uh, because I, I'm seeing that so many people in our community and not just the gay community, but the other letters of the rainbow as well, mm -hmm. because of, of us being brought up in these religious communities, we still have this need for a, an intimate spiritual community. And that's what I love about your organization too. And you spoke to how like, you know, the Trevor Project and these other organizations do work on the legislation and the activism, but what you provide through your organization is that community. And you even have a Sunday service in essence about yeah. getting the round, you know, getting together and just talking about your stories and that connection is where the divine lies. So how did the, when did you say, okay, there's a need, I'm going to meet it. Yeah. And, and it's after church too. So you can, oh, so you can do both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so the organization, I mean, came about from that conversation um, and my, the bo my boss for my, my day job, because obviously my organization, you know, I, I don't do that full time. Um, you know, he, he's also gay and he, um, wanted to help with my organization. And so I set everything up, filed all the things and got it going and started the survivor Sunday. Um, because I realized that, you know, they needed to, uh, survivors wanted to connect with each other. They want to share their story, share, you know, struggles, and it really helps. And, you know, when, when we have these Survivor Sundays, it's always really nice because, I mean, I always prepare, like, questions and different things, but I don't ever really need it 
because it just kind of flows and they're, they're sharing their stories and getting feedback. And if, 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 if Joe Schmo over here uh, has an issue with where he, he doesn't like to be out in public uh, because he's scared of X, Y, Z, you know, little Susie over here has, you know, the same experience and she has some advice for him on what, what, uh, what he can do to, to alleviate that. And I think it's been really great, you know, and then we used to have them in, in person and obviously we haven't been having them in person, um, but, you know, we've been able to connect with survivors across the country, internationally, actually. Um, we've had people sign in from New Zealand, from London, just last, just last month we had, um, we had a, a gentleman sign in from a small town of 4,000 people in Ireland, just sign on and talk about his experience. And, uh, you know, it's just been really great just to have these survivors across the world um, uh, just talking about their experiences and sharing what they went through and comparing the similarities between their stories. Um, and, you know, we do recognize that each story is going to be slightly different, but mm -hmm. when you boil it down to the traumas that we experience, it's all very, very similar. Yep. And we all struggle with the same types of PTSD, essentially. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so, yeah. but I, I imagine that going digital has probably allowed you to expand your reach as well and not just be here in LA, but like, oh, like this guy in, in Ireland can then yeah. log on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, at first I wasn't very happy about it. Of course, none of us really were. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, you know, our attendance wavered a little bit during COVID. It's very strange. That there's an actual phenomenon that happened with conversion therapy survivors that kind of re-traumatized people with COVID. And, and there's a whole like psychological phenomenon that happened with some of us. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, we, we want to get back into physical space, but we're going to continue having these virtual meetups because so many people can log on and talk to people across the country and across the world um, and really um, put a face to just how widespread conversion therapy is and how many different forms it takes. Sure. Did the efforts that you were a part of in Illinois and banning conversion therapy, has that set precedence for other cases and bills in other states? I don't really know how that works. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it all was built off of um, kind of the case in New Jersey. Um, even though California was the first to pass a ban, um, they didn't actually get it enacted until after New Jersey did it. So New Jersey got theirs in first um, and theirs was the strongest case that it was consumer fraud. And so that's really kind of been the building. Oh, wow. Block the, yeah. It's because you can't, you can't say that you can change someone's sexuality because that's not something that you can, right. you can't do that. And so you're basically selling snake oil and they won the case with that. And that's that been the precedent. Fascinating. Mm hmm. So a lot of consumer fraud and it varies differently um, from state to state, but I know that like Kentucky um, was working or is working um, with Illinois to kind of mimic mm -hmm. kind of the, what they did with it. Um, so it's definitely, you know, working in other places and setting precedents for it. Do you know how many states have not banned conversion therapy? A majority of them. Um, but I don't remember the exact number. 
right now. So we have a lot. <laughs> so we have work to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're in the teens when it comes to the ones that have. So mm-hmm. we still have a lot to do. Um, we are seeing a phenomenon where a lot more municipalities are banning conversion therapy. Oh, OK. So like the, um, the city centers, which is where most queer individuals end up living. Right. Yeah. So we're seeing that a lot. And that's happened in Kentucky, because even though, you know, the bill didn't get through this this past session, um, you know, we're seeing municipalities mm-hmm. passing it. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm always posting almost almost weekly about someone else that's either doing something um, or a governor that's coming out against it and, and urging Congress to pass these bills. So it's definitely gaining a lot more traction and sure. um, different strategies are being used. What kind of backlash did you receive from your experience in testifying before Congress and and working to get this passed? I didn't really get any. I didn't really get any, which is very disappointing. Um, (laughs) I I did get I did get a letter because I I published an article in the Chicago Sun-Times and um, I got a response. And I don't know if they did the research and found out where I was living at college or if the editor forwarded it to me. Um, but I got a response letter basically saying I'd been brainwashed by the homosexual agenda and that I was going to get AIDS and die. Like, literally, that's what it said. And um, so that's really the only one. Um, I'm so I, sorry. I'll write you one if you want. I can I can I can really whip it out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I've, you know, I've got some colleagues that have whole websites dedicating, right. dedicated to trying to destroy their their work, and I'm just like, God, you know, you've made it. You got one of those. I, I don't know. have one yet. Well, it's you know what they say: bad press is still good press. I know. It's <laughs> like I need my face plastered with like all kinds of crazy shit. Like that'd be great. I, I know. <laughs> um, so you'd mentioned like some of the things you post. Where can we find what you post? Like where where is where's your site? Yeah, so we're conversiontherapydropout.org. And then we also have our Facebook where we post a lot of things. Um, That's a majority where you'll find like the event pages um, that'll reroute you to Eventbrite, but you can always find it on our calendar and our website. Uh, We're on Instagram um, at conversiontherapydropout, Twitter at dropouttherapy. Um, We also have YouTube for some videos um, and we have a TikTok. Um, Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got a lot going on. Um, what are, what are the call to actions? Like, how are you? Because you're a five hundred one c nonprofit. So yes. how, how are you funded entirely by just private donations, or do you hold yes. fundraisers and a little of both? I mean, we we've hosted a few fundraisers this year, um, but mostly it's just you know private donations, people putting in donations on our Facebook, um, doing Facebook fundraisers, going to our website and donating. Um, You know, we've got Venmo and PayPal, so it's all there. But yeah, we're entirely funded by individuals. Um, And we actually, uh, there, I do have to shout out uh, the VIP nightclub um, in Riverside. Um, They actually did a whole month, last month, um, of their drag bingo and all the proceeds from their drag bingo nights went to us. So they, they, they were able to give us over $600 um, oh. of donation. How, which far, is a, how far does $600 go with drop uh, with the, the organization? Um, I mean, it'll go pretty far right now, um, considering that we're mostly all, all online. Um, it'll probably last us eh, about three or four months, I would yeah. say. Wow. Yeah. Well, what, once what, we start getting into physical space again, yes. which we want to do, it's when all of our expenses go right back up. Sure. We, 
we really had to scale back during COVID. So what are your non-monetary needs? Like if somebody, you know, is like, oh my God, I want to contribute to this, but I don't have the funds. What can they do? Oh yeah. A volunteer. I constantly, I mean, I just listed off all of our social media accounts and oh my God, that's a lot to handle. (laughs) So we always need help with, with that, um, keeping up with, you know, postings, um, and, and doing outreach. We really need some people to go out there and do outreach. We're really trying to reach, um, the, um, the, 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 the POC communities, um, because right now conversion therapy has a very, um, white centric view. Um, Mm -hmm. and we're really trying to change that, um, and really trying to crack down on, um, how it affects different intersections of communities. And it does, it affects every intersection of the community and we want to know how, um, so doing outreach, um, and, you know, just any sort of, any sort of skill fundraising is always good. Mm-hmm. Um, and any sort of collaborations, we're always very happy. Um, so well, we're, and we're I'm, always in need of volunteers. I, I, uh, post if, if there's an organization involved with one of my guests, I always post a fundraiser for them on my social media. So I'm going to link that, um, for the audience as well. And so far, I mean, I've yeah. only, we, we've been, I've had some very generous people, um, thankfully, oh, some of, some of yeah. whom have really wished to stay private. So hopefully we can raise some more money for you after this episode uh, launches. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I imagine that you also, you hear from a lot of survivor people that may not call themselves survivors yet because they're in the midst of, um, so they yes. are surviving. Is, is there a need for like house parents and people like, I mean, Nikki and David didn't rescue you out of therapy, <laughs> but like, you know, but they, I have no doubt that they would open up their homes to someone who, oh, who needed yeah. that. Um, but like, is there, are, I mean, do you have people on a list that say, I, I'm an ally, I, you know, have a gay son who's moved out. Like I want to open my home up to people that need to get out of their parents' house. You know, we haven't really had any of that because that's such a difficult situation. Um, we do get calls. So we have a hotline um, and we do get calls from people that are going to be sent to conversion therapy. Um, and they're kind of asking, you know, what do they do? And I mean, there's not really anything I can tell them yeah. um, other than that's going to happen. You know, I, I do reach out to organizations that kind of do deal with that, try to get them connected. But usually, you know, when that happens, it's that one phone call and you lose connection with them. And then yeah. they don't, you know, and we don't, we have a policy where we don't call someone back unless they tell us it's okay. Right. Cause we don't want to get them in trouble and put yeah. them in danger. Um, you know, the sad part is, is a lot of times, you know, these are minors and yep. there's really not a whole lot that we can do um, you know, I turn it over to Trevor Project and Born Perfect usually is who I go to for that because they have the legal teams that can handle stuff like that. Yep. Um, but unfortunately, you know, when we get these calls, there's really not a lot I can do except offer them, you know, words of, uh, of comfort. Yeah. You know, um, and it's usually very short, very short conversations before they hang up the phone. Um, oh, God. So. I always, uh, or I've started um, giving a tag at the end of this, the podcast to the Suicide Prevention Hotline and also Trevor Project's hotline for mm-hmm. you, um, young adults and youth under 25. Um, but I'm going to look up Born Perfect and, and try to, to, to link them as well as an additional mm-hmm. resource for people. Where are we on the national stage of banning conversion therapy? Is that even something that's in debate or... Uh, yes and no. Um, federally, I think obviously the federal government's super overwhelmed with absolutely everything right now. Um, you know, they have 
they have had federal regulations um, proposed, um, but they've always died. Um, yeah. They've never gone anywhere. Um, word on the street is Mitch McConnell actually is not a supporter of conversion therapy, but I can not confirm that. But word on the street is. Um, I wonder if his buddy yeah. Lindsey Graham is. we'll digress um (laughs) yeah i digress from that uh no i don't think that we're going to be seeing any federal work coming out anytime soon which is really unfortunate you know our neighbors in canada are working really hard to to get this taken care of and they're taking an approach that we that we haven't here they're taking it from an approach that you know even in religious settings it's not allowed Yep. Um, and that's not yep. something that is regulated here in the U.S. Yep. Um, so, you know, yep. the vast majority of conversion therapy survivors come from religious leaders and they can just keep on doing what they're doing. Yep. They're not regulating that. Yep. I, I, so. I understand that it's part of the American fabric is that freedom of religion. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I. You can't I, you can't abuse people. That's correct. The you can, but yeah. and that's where I just think we. I mean, it's a slippery slope, I guess. But there's got to be a regulation that supersedes opinion, which is all religion is. Um, yeah, absolutely. Wow. What um, did you ever see the movie Latter Days? No. Okay, it, this movie is probably at this point. I mean, 15 years old. It was an independent mm-hmm. feature. Um, the writer, I, I forget his name. I think it, uh, JB or. Um, Oh my God, he's my Facebook friend. Um, He's gone on to write like other crazy hit films. But Latter Uh Days was really like a beautiful independent feature um, about this gay Mormon who is Mm -hmm. coming to terms with himself. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in it. Um, It's got a a cool cast. And um, there's a scene where the lead character, the Mormon, is in conversion therapy, and it's where he's in the ice bath, and he's got the mm. electrodes on his penis that basically shock his dick every time a, a, a male nude pops mm-hmm. up on the screen. Um, and while I am so thankful that was not your experience, that still happens yeah. today. I mean, oh, yeah. I think it's a, it's it's it is. I think it's a little more regulated, mm-hmm. but like there are circles where this still occurs. Do, are you aware of those, or do you know? I mean. I, I want to do whatever we can off this episode to inspire my audience to call people, to post things, to to storm the doors of these these kinds of facilities. Where are they? What can we do? Yeah, so I don't know of any specific facility um, that does that. I do know it happens. Um, I, I, I do know that one of my previous board members for this organization had a similar experience of that kind of torturous stuff. Um, and, but I don't know of anything now, but I mean, yeah, there, there's church, uh, let's see, there's a church in um, a small town in Illinois um, called the Loft Church. They do, um, they do homosexual demon exorcisms. Right. Um, uh, Joseph Nicolosi's son, jo- Joseph Nicolosi Jr. Um, is still doing his father's work in Encino here in California. Um, there's a man named Tim Long in Beverly Hills that's doing it. In Beverly Hills. Uh, Beverly Hills. Uh-huh. He, he's calling it um, restoration therapy or restorative, uh, reintegrative? Reintegrative therapy, I think. It's funny because he tries to hide it, but then you can still find his name attached to things that are in different languages, but then you just translate it and it's just talking about conversion therapy. And he's mm-hmm. like gone to other countries to do these things. And his name is Tim Long? Tim Long. And he's in Beverly Hills. Yes. Is he uh-huh. a, a therapist or is he a pastor? He 
I believe that he is a therapist. He's a therapist, but here's the thing is that he doesn't, he doesn't perform conversion therapy on anyone under the age of 18, um, which is still a problem because there are mm-hmm. 18 year olds that still rely on their families and still live oh. with them and still, you know, even though they have full autonomy, you know, some, they're still reliant on somebody. Um, legally. And the people, yeah. Yeah. Legally not, but you know, I mean that, that, you know, it's either that or the street, you know, sometimes. Hmm. And, um, you know, people that are over the age of 18, you know, adults can still feel pressure from their family to go and he is yeah. getting clients. So it's happening, you know, and I, I do feel sorry for the people that go of their own volition too, you know, cause it's like, they're that scared and that just that threatened by their own selves because of what they've been brought up in that yep. they go to these kinds of people. So yeah, yep. they're still doing it. It's Who is this, this Joseph Nicolosi you just mentioned? And so he's the one that had the the camps. He's kind of known as the father of modern day um, modern day conversion therapy. Um, even though, I mean, obviously conversion therapy has roots in the 1800s, but he's really the one that kind of took it to the next level with trying to integrate psychology into it and doing like the... Uh, when you see those documentaries about the re- the rebirthing, where you have these groups of men, they're all the camaraderie and doing the the punching of the pillows while screaming uh-huh. at mom and dad about their traumas. He's the one that really did that. I forget what his organization was called, and it's not important. Kicked. We're gonna we're gonna squash yeah. it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, well, he, I'm going to get kicked for forgetting that one. But, um, but no, his son's still doing it. His son's still doing it. So, I, I'm um, going to be going down the I'm, I'm notorious for, um, for popping an edible and then going off the handle online with these kinds of organizations. <laughs> so uh, well, I, can't, I cannot wait to go down the rabbit hole on this one and wreak some havoc. <laughs> there's, a, there's a group in, in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, um, and we actually sent them hundreds of letters of opposition to their mailbox. So in one day, they probably got like 250 envelopes of people telling them basically to goth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's always nice. It's a nice feeling. But are those, um, yeah, are, those are, are those efforts posted on your social media? Like where you say, hey, we just got wind of this information and this address. Whoever can write letters, please, email, you know, mail this this senator, yeah. this pastor um, opposition letters. We did. We did for that one. Yes, we did okay. for that one. Um, we haven't done any of that since. Um, but, you know, there's always a possibility of doing that again. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And on, on the site, too, I just want people to know that there are links to where you can donate money. And there's also going to be links on my social media where you can also donate to this as well. Obviously, a tax mm-hmm. write off. Um, so the, the more the merrier, but yeah. any amount counts. You just heard a little bit ago how $600 could potentially last you, um, you know, while you're not in a physical space for a few months. Um, yeah. But I, it's, it would be nice to know that you, you're sustained for the next few years if somebody was feeling yeah. extra generous. Because um, be nice. this, yeah. this is truly, I mean, your efforts are, are, are more than pivotal. They are truly life or death. I mean, I, there are probably people, and I'm sure that you hear this in your, your Sunday community uh, group, but this is saving lives, what you're doing. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the trauma that ensues from going through this bullshit conver- conversion therapy uh, mm-hmm. It leads to addiction, leads to crime, leads to suicide, leads mm-hmm. to a future abuse of other people in your life. And mm-hmm. what you're doing is honestly saving these 
lives. And I'm so thankful that you are committed to this cause. Um, and and it, so I, I, I do, you, do you, are you able to look back now at your conversion therapy as, you know, I, while I wish I had not gone through it, it has informed your, your purpose on this planet. Oh, absolutely. You know, I always say that I'm thankful I went to it um, because I, I got through it and was able yeah. to turn it into something good. But had I not been there, that would have been, you know, a two hour time slot that some other yeah. kid could have gone to, yeah. you know. There's a new um, show. I don't know if you um, read the trades, but Deadline, I think it was Deadline. Um, Bloomhouse is developing a conversion therapy series right now. Um, and there's yeah, a few names attached to it. I forget, and there, there's some good names attached to it. Um, but being Bloomhouse, I'm interested as to their take on it because they do a bit of like yeah. the, the surrealism approach to, to genres. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, but I, I've read the script and, and it's, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see what they, I mean, it's, it's going to advocate for, for these bands and, and to really showcase mm -hmm. the trauma and PTSD that comes out of this. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that, what they do with it. Uh, and I, I told my agents too, I was like, look, I've been there. This is for me. Please get me in for this <laughs> office. Like I, I must read for this. Um, but yeah, uh, this is, uh, this has been such a treat, Curtis. I'm, I'm just so thankful for your time mm. and for what you do for the community. Um, course, I'm so you. thankful that the universe put us in a 45 minute car ride um, <laughs> in a gig economy from Beverly Hills to Azusa. Um, and I'm so thankful that you have just landed firmly on your feet in this city and that it's uh -huh. receiving you well. Um, thank you for calling these names out because I think that's also very important to not let these bitches mm -hmm. lie under the radar, but to call them out because um, mm -hmm. if their hearts are not going to change, we have to change what their title is. Um, oh, absolutely. Get them the fuck uh, out of there. Yeah, well, that's that's another thing is uh, it, one thing I wanted to add is I've actually um, recently filed an ethics complaint against my conversion therapist with the Board of Social Work in Kentucky. And um, it's moving forward and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. It's, Is he aware it's... of it? I guess. Oh yeah, he's aware of it. He's aware has, of it. I'm sure that his lawyers have told him not to communicate with you, but has he tried to reach out and they're like, what are you doing? Like, I'm, this works. Yeah, well, I'm, I, can't, I can't speak to specifics right sure. now, um, but he, he has denied that he did anything wrong, which of course, but yeah. um, we'll just see what happens. We'll see what happens. Is there so anything that we can do as an audience to, to, like, to back up those claims as well and to, to mail him or to mail whatever lawyers are representing you? Yeah, well, I would encourage anyone not to do that. Just kind of leave it alone, um, unless you did go to a Joseph Williams um, in Kentucky, in which case, if you had an experience with him, it would be very, 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 very helpful um, to have that information as well. Because, I mean, you know, the more people we have come forward with these claims, yeah. the more that's against him. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, right a, now we're just letting the uh, the board of social work do their work and uh, let okay. them let them do it. Okay. Well, we will wish for the best for that, and hopefully you'll you'll be able to post updates on your social media as that progresses as well. Oh yeah, I when it when it's all said and done, I fully intend to uh, do a full recap of everything that went on. Oh, so. Yes, we will wish for that then, Curtis. Thank you again, um, and just as a thank reminder, you. tell us where we can find you and the organization. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you can find me um, on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Um, you can also email me Curtis at conversion therapy That's Curtis with a C. Um, you can also find our organization on all social media um, and you can find us at conversion therapy is our website and there are links to all of our social media there as well. And the needs that you guys have as an organization. Yes. 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 yes, awesome. yes. We'd love to volunteer. We would love to have you. <laughs> awesome. Curtis, thank you again. And I look forward to chatting you. with you another time. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health or suicidal thoughts, there are resources and trained professionals available 24-7. It's okay to not be okay. Please call 800-273-TALK, 800-273-8255, or by going to suicidepreventionlifeline.org. For youth and young adults under 25, The Trevor Project is available 24-7 at 866-488-7386 and at thetrevorproject.org. The Fagnostic Podcast is a Matt Hayes production, hosted by, you guessed it, Matt Hayes. You can find me at matthayes.com, that's M-A-T-H-A-Y-E-S.com, or on all the socials at Hayes on it, H-A-Y-E-S on it. Music by Michael Spicer. The Fagnostic Podcast is proud to be supported by the Del Shore Studio. Whether you're acting from a pulpit or a proscenium, whether you're writing for a Bible study or a scene study, the Del Shore Studio is an online school offering classes and workshops encouraging all artists to scratch deeper. Visit thedelshorestudio.com for more information.